0: Are you talking shift we are it's time for the we're talking shift podcast now, 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 here to talk shift Lori Bishaw we're talking shift.
1: hello everyone welcome back to the we're talking shift podcast where my guest is and I talk shift because the antidote to feeling stuck begins in our minds with a shift in our thinking and that shift often means that you've got to take some action and you might even have to really go rogue. At some point, the guests that I interview have gone rogue and made a shift that altered the course of their life. And many of them now help others shift. Talking about shifting and going rogue and how that can change our lives for the better is something that I am very passionate about sharing with you in the hopes that you too will be inspired to go rogue when you need to make some shifts happen in your own life. Today's guest, is someone who shares my passion for cultivating healthy, happy relationships. Haley Halleck is a certified consulting hypnotherapist, an advanced psych K facilitator, and a Psychology Today preferred therapist. Haley is also the owner of Stitched Head & Heart Project in Cave Creek, Arizona, and a relationship restorer. Hello Haley, I am so happy that we could finally get together and have this conversation. So welcome to We're Talking Shift. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here Lori. I'm I'm I think I want to just um, lay the groundwork here for a second before we dive into <laughs> our subject, because I think this is kind of funny. Um, I'm going to I'm going to back it up um, for the listeners. Haley and I had offices next door to each other in Cape Creek, Arizona <laughs>
0: for what,
1: like two years?
0: I think. Oh, my goodness. I think it
1: was. Yeah. And so between, um, her busy schedule and, and mine, it's, okay. it's like, we never had more than <laughs> a, like a minute conversation. I mean, so for two years, yeah. right. I'd see, yeah. I'd see I uh, my glass door. Um, you know, I could see her whiz by on the way to hers and whiz out and I could see her clients coming in and out. And, and then inevitably, as soon as one of your clients would show up, I could hear like five minutes of laughter. And I'm like, what is going on over there? It's so, They are having way too much fun. I feel like I need to come up with a reason to book a session with Haley because it it, it sounds really fun over there. You know, you the walls were kind of thin. You can't hear each other talking uh-huh. or anything, but I could hear laughter. So I just think yeah. it's really funny. And then, yeah, so we were like ships passing in the night. And then when we moved away from Arizona and we made our Wyoming residents our primary. So now I'm 1,100 miles away and we are going to have the longest conversation that we've ever had.
0: I know, right? Is that so funny? Yeah, that office space was so quaint and such a wonderful introduction to the community in Cape Creek for me. I mean, having you and All of our neighbors there, I mean, everybody was just all kind of uh, like-minded, and so it was such a great space for me to really jump into the community, but yes, we were forever living by, (laughs) and as much as I deal with some of the most intense and horrible (laughs) shadow areas of life, I am a huge proponent of laughter. Joy, I think, can kill, joy and gratitude can kill any negative energy. And so I definitely like to bring my clients into a space where it's like, you know what? This is uncomfortable. Uh, nobody really likes to air dirty laundry. Let's have a laugh. In fact, uh, neuroscience says that our brains are primed to learn if we start with laughter.
1: Yes, yes, I love it. I have the same Um, mentality about it. I always have to bring humor and laughter into our sessions, um, you know, whenever possible, because of that very reason. So thank you for sharing that, Mm because I agree. I think it's, um, it's so important on so many levels. and, And it's, you know, part of that is just obvious, you know, it just feels good, but there's all of this, this chemical stuff that happens when you're laughing and having fun. There's, there's this, you know, your, your body's like a a chemical factory. So you're, you know, I think that sometimes people don't even know that they're actually manufacturing, you know, wonderful chemicals, healing chemicals, feel good chemicals, you know, in your body when you're laughing and having fun. So I'm really glad you said that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So, we're going to talk about relationships. I I know that this is a major focus for you. It's a big focus for both of us. So I'm I'm really excited for you to share um, and talk about your approach and your experience. Um, and I I guess to start, I'd like to find out. You know what got you so passionate about what you do in, in working with with people and, and couples. Um, actually,
0: um, it was probably. It's just so funny. Um, I was actually speaking with my father uh, about a month or two ago, and he goes, <laughs> honey, there's a phrase. It says, doctor, heal thyself. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean, dad? He's always giving me these colloquials that, I, like, are way, they go way above my head, you know? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, um, when it comes to relationships, you're really good at them academically. <laughs> and I was like, oh, burn. <laughs> Wow! So what brought me—I know what brought me to relationship was a deep passion for nobody to have to go through um, the the divorce that I went through through separation. Mm-hmm. So knowing that feeling and knowing how um, intense that feeling was is um, the reason I'm so passionate about keeping couples together because I truly believe that if you make that commitment and if you have the right professional help you can get through anything and I believe that because I've seen that so the couples recovery was really just kind of a divine download and part of that being the empath, I guess, um, that I am was to go through that process of pain in order to be able to go, okay, what did I personally need to shift? You know, what was out of order? So that's kind of where um, the it actually came at the most odd time um, during separation um, for me to have all these couples coming in. I mean, it was really... I worked through a lot of my own stuff of feeling unworthy and going, why now, God? And what? Why? um, What? How? How am I um, certified or how am I um, qualified? How how am I going to? Yeah, qualified. Thank you, Lori, Um, Mm -hmm. to be able to do this. if, If you know behind the scenes, I don't have it perfect. Mm-hmm. And I just got a very clear, you know, from, from God. It was very clear, Haley. It doesn't matter whether, whether or not you got it perfect. You know what it feels like to be on the other side of this. So the passion grew there. and There was a lot of shifting for myself and realizing how I needed to show up within my own personal accountability and how I was co-creating that um, negative pattern and cycle. And so it came from one of the darkest places in my life to be as passionate as I am about couples. So that um the couples uh, intensive I've been working with couples for about 3 years.
1: Nice. Yeah, isn't it interesting how so often that's how that's how things play out where people that are passionate and driven to help others, it it is a lot of times a result of them going through that same type of darkness themselves and coming out the other side and now it's like all you want to do is is share what you've learned and be able to demonstrate and help others uh, to know that there's uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel there's a a way there's there's new and more things possible for you than you may not be able to see right now.
0: Yeah absolutely. Um, Previous to that the practice was pretty much a one-on-one kind of practice where I used, um, um, holistic approaches like hypnotherapy and psych K. Um, and then my education would be, um, from ASU in psychology. So it was more of a one-on-one and I would do on occasion couples. If I had already done the one-on-one with the, with one of them, with one mm-hmm. of the partners. Um, and then, you know, from the, from the, the download of the the couple's re- recovery from there, it kind of moved out into bringing the kiddos in because there's a lot of um, shifting and stuff that needs to happen within the familial dynamic. And so then, then I've got all the kiddos in there, which is such a pleasure because I had always said I wasn't going to work with kids. And I, I was so wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I really believe God is up forever just going, hey, <laughs> I've got something for you. So it's been a huge blessing that I didn't see coming, but yeah, it definitely came from a, an interesting space. Yeah.
1: So I would love for you to explain um, for listeners that may not be familiar with it, what like K is. Uh, but before we do that, well, before I, we get too far away from it, I wanted to ask real quick. Okay. So was your, was the, the separation, the divorce that you mentioned, was that, part of sort of one of your going rogue experiences in life or was there something else oh <laughs> uh,
0: we're on the same frequency Lori. uh-huh and You had mentioned that i <laughs> i was gonna say you know as i think about this i think i've gone rogue my entire life in yeah fact, if i were a part of the x-men that would be like my go-to <laughs> right um yes i do believe it was um I think that our sometimes our greatest uh, our greatest um, weapon our greatest uh, um, ability or superpower whatever you want to call it can be our greatest um, Achilles heel. Right? It can be our biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. And so, my stubborn tenacity, my willingness, and my drive and my ambition and all of those kinds of things kind of got it worked in my um, professional life. It worked to rear my kiddos and help them to be successful and wonderful little citizens, um, but it, and, and in friendships. But it doesn't work. It didn't work in my um, intimate life. Mm-hmm. So I did have to kind of learn the hard way. And I would say, yes, that was definitely a, a going rogue moment. Um, it was. It was a lesson for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. So the going rogue part was when you had to decide that you were going to divorce, that you were going to split up. Was that the the thing?
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I think that I was kind of going and operating as an independent party the vast majority of my relationship. So I think that that was kind of a part of it. And then I think that letting go of a relationship that... um Which I'm. This is coming from the person who is all about stay, stay together, stay together, right? Uh But mind you, you have to have two willing parties, and those two parties have to be willing to get professional, you know, assistance. So that was not my dynamic. Um, So yes, it was me having to go. Okay, so is this serving me? If if I am willing to grow, but my partner isn't, Um, and so yeah, I kind of had to make a decision. As to whether I wanted to continue to operate in the energetic space that I was in, or if I wanted to, you know, continue to be, I always say with my couples, it's really difficult to have a seeker and a complacent in the same dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was seeking, and I was trying to grow, and I was trying to evolve, and that was not fitting the dynamic. But I have my accountability. I can't say that I was in any way, shape, or form not responsible for Some of that so sure, sure so yes it was definitely a going rogue and not an easy one i'll tell you that <laughs> no i mean it usually isn't
1: when especially when you have no. children involved. that's very difficult and then you know then mm-hmm. there's always the uh um the possibility that the families are weighing in and you know whatever your families and your beliefs are come into play so that it can be very
0: complicated and, and very difficult yeah, absolutely. And just something that I feel like if we have the right information and if you have I, I believe every couple comes together and, with the greatest of intentions. They truly do. And we really do mean those words that we say, um, you know, tell us to us part kind of thing. And and it's 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 natural. Entropy is a law of the universe, like Mm -hmm. everything degrades. And I think that with relationships, we have this idea that it's like, okay, we get married and then it's like happily ever after just continues to happen. And it doesn't. (laughs) We have to maintenance. You can't can't work out up into your goal, you know, body and then go, okay, we're good, right? Or you can't do your um, personal development work and go like, oh, I feel better. And so you stop doing it. And with relationships, we can't, um, prioritize, you know, a variety of other things before that relationship that has to be maintenance as well. If we exactly. maintenance our car, we got to maintenance our marriage or a partnership or relationship. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, we were just
1: talking about that about two weeks ago. That is one of the exact things I was talking about. So I completely agree. It's like, it's, it's, uh, it's like you said, you know, you can't just, once you get to a certain place, you can't assume that, that things are going to stay like they are. They don't. They they actually start to go the other way if you don't manage it, maintain it, grow it, nurture it, all the things that you, you know, do like you would for your, yeah, for your <laughs> for your kids or your pet or your plant or your garden or your car.
0: Right. Yes. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, so yeah, the, the couples recovery is just bringing us back to that Mm -hmm. original commitment Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: creating an environment where there is less emotional subjectivity within the couple, because oftentimes there's a lot of, um, know there's a lot of hurt there's a lot of years there there's a lot of um, trespasses that we're desperately trying to get on the other side of but we continue to see the negative pattern repeat itself and so it's it's like we just get bruised over and over and over again and so my goal is with um with my couples is to create a level of objectivity it's three people in a room trying to trying to save an entity, that entity being the relationship. And so what do we got to do, all three of us, we're, we're three brilliant people, what do we have to do in order to make this thing um, regenerate? And right. so that's the main objective um, of the couple's recovery. That's that's
1: awesome. Yeah. Um, I like the way you refer to it as an entity. That's, that's really... Um... Yeah, it just kind of uh, gives you a different perspective. I like that. Uh, do you want to explain real quick before I lose that? What psych K is? Is that something? Then I know what it is, but I know a lot of our listeners may not. And is that something that you still use in your practice?
0: Um, yeah. So psych K is just a um, a way of reprogramming the subconscious on a um, in a quick. Uh, it's time efficient it's fast it's fun there's great ease with it I uh, actually got into psych K as I was going through um, my my education and it's actually what kind of shifted me towards the holistic side of things so that is the foundation of um, of my of, of me starting my practice and deciding to go more into the subconscious reprogramming, because I believe that if we have a subconscious belief that regardless of what we try to push, will consciously, um, that subconscious belief is always going to run up against that. So we'll find ourselves in the same kind of relationships, the same kind of patterns, the same um, things that we're trying to avoid. So psych K, psych being psychology, K being a kinesthetic component. So you use muscle testing in order to determine and establish what we do believe and what we do not believe. And then we create a belief statement, things that we desire, um, and we check and see whether or not we actually believe those things on a subconscious level. And in the case that we do, awesome, way to go subconscious. In the case that we don't, then we go ahead and we go through what what, um, Psyche calls a balance which is just the methodology and you you use your kinesthetic you use your your body in order to reprogram the belief and then um go ahead and post test that statement and where it was a no previously it'll be a yes and so the subconscious will literally i say the subconscious is like a four-year-old it it will jump on board it is there to support you it is your greatest coach and advocate but again like i said earlier it can be your greatest um adversary as well right? If we're, if we're programming it or if we had it um, our subconscious programmed as a child in a negative way, then it will just run tape. It, it'll yeah. just continue those negative cycles. But if you get, if you treat it as if it is your greatest advocate, if you rewire those thoughts, um, they, they they change our behavior. They change our emotions, which then change our behaviors, which then change our habits, which then change our life. So Psych K is a um theory and practice created by Bob williams and dr bruce Lipton, the gentleman who wrote biology of belief is a huge proponent of it and so i know they have a huge event coming up i can always tell when they have events because um i get a lot of calls for psyche because i think youtube kind of shuffles all of that um information through and, um, and then it gets, it gets kind of ping ponged over in my direction. psych <laughs> so was the foundation yeah, of my, of my business. And when I was doing one-on-ones, I sometimes use Psyche K with, so with the couple's recovery, you have to do your own individual sessions every week. It's an intensive, so each person does their individual session and we do a couple of sessions. So you get to spend three amazing hours with me a week <laughs> for four weeks, you know, uncovering all the gunk. And so we use psych like, okay, k. I'm kind of open to anything. I'm one of those people who is like throw everything at the wall and see what sticks kind of person. Yeah. Like let's, let's try to, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a combination of things, but using Psyche to uproot the beliefs that a person has without their partner, holy cow, Lori, That is that is a phenomenal, miraculous change where you take the emotional response of, you know, the trespass, whatever it might be by your spouse. If you take the emotional um, intensity, the sting out of it, it's a really quick process. So I highly recommend psych Kate Although, you know, some people, it's... Um, a little, uh, it can be like a little progressive. And so for some people, they just prefer to do talk therapy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm okay with whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have to be able to, um, you know, deliver something and, and coach around something that they're going to be receptive to and not resist. Right. Um, right. But I I love what you said about that. I'm super, I have been super interested in Psych-K for some time. Um, I I read Bruce Lipton's Biology of Belief about 10, oh gosh, God, yeah, 10, great. 10 years ago, and I was immediately oh, 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 wow. a huge fan. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I really read the book, and then I got the book on on DVDs then 10 years ago, so I could listen to them in my car, too, because I just couldn't get enough, so uh, yeah I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Bruce Lipton, and uh, I just love yeah and, and it's uh yeah, it's amazing the the things that we can do that people don't realize are really in our our biology and our beliefs are are interconnected right. they, one results from the other, and y- you know what I mean, and one promotes the other so it's it's pretty interesting um so as far as all right let's talk a little bit about then your your program um so you just talked somewhat about you know what uh what it consists of so what what do you find are some of the most common areas of trespass within relationships that you know that show up when you're working with somebody
0: well I mean, it varies. I guess the um, most uh, common, the ones that are most ubiquitous among couples would be your, your infidelities, whether they be uh, – I, I, I break down infidelities in a, in a different way. I think, I think that infidelities don't necessarily have to be physical. They can be emotional. It could be financial. It could be even um, a prioritization of the children over the couple. Mm-hmm. which creates an unhealthy dynamic because that's not, because without the couple, the the family dynamic doesn't exist. So yeah. that has to come first. So I would, I would call that an infidelity. Um, I think that we just use that as an umbrella term. It helps to, um, it helps to understand that nothing is, um, none is more worse than the other, right? So it kind of equalizes everything. And then that way, we kind of, um, it's kind of like taking the stigma out of something, right? Yeah. So so that, because I, I know um, from a societal stigma would be that physical infidelity is, is one of the worst for men, um, whereas in a heterosexual couple, or the masculine energy, I guess I could say, for, for the new age. Um, and then emotional for the feminine or the female energy in the relationship, um, it, that can be like the biggest trespass. So I try to equalize everything, right? Just yeah. kind of like old school Bible, everything is, it, all sin is equal. So we go through and, and and we see a variety of different infidelities. A huge thing, Lori, miscommunication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is, that's, that's probably Infidelities and miscommunication are probably the biggest. I mean, if I look at, because I kind of wrote a list here, the Virgo and me was kind of doing a little, um, okay, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's be, let's be prepared about everything. But really, I think if I just scratch the notes, it's infidelities and miscommunication. Um, One of the, from a more um, Christian standpoint, how we were talking about the biology of belief, well, there's a, a gal named, are you familiar with Dr. Caroline Leaf? I don't think so. Oh my gosh, I have to send you her stuff. I mean, if you're not Christian, you just get past the Christian stuff. I actually sure. just saw her at our our church yesterday, and amazing. She believes the same thing that we're not that, that we're not um, imprisoned by our biology, but rather we can change things via um, our thoughts. And so she was kind of discussing. She discusses a lot about the male and female brain because she's a neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. So, oh, did you say
1: Carolyn Miss M Y S S?
0: No, it's L-E-A-S. Okay, got it. All right, just want to make sure. I'll I'll send you her stuff. Okay. But she talks about the difference between communication with the masculine or male brain and then the female brain Mm -hmm. and how they communicate in different ways, how they um, receive information in different ways, and how that can create a huge amount of miscommunication just because our brains don't operate the same way. Definitely. Like w- one of the huge proponents is, is you know, um, she uses the example of, of the, the husband. Now, we're just talking about a traditional um, heterosexual relationship yeah. here, but I work with all kinds of couples. So, no, um, uh, you know, yeah. I'm open to everything. Yeah. But the, the male coming home or the masculine energy coming home and not wanting to talk but going back into the space of needing to go into their cave. And it's because men and women use, we speak the same amount of words in a day, but we use, um, women spread theirs out throughout the day, and men use the vast majority of theirs at work, and they have a little bit after, like, say, 6 p.m., after dinner. So Mm -hmm. she just talks about how there's two totally different um, processing within the brain and how the behaviors express themselves. And so, yeah, miscommunication is huge. And one of the things that I use with the um, couples recovery is the, I will go through and I'll break down your Myers-Briggs, your love languages, Uh, core predictors of success is something that I created myself. And then a psychometric called the big five. So what I do is I kind of analyze the difference between the couple and where they can bridge the gap
1: on their communication. Wow, that's amazing. I love that. You know, it's so interesting. Um, um, I did an event, oh gosh, uh, 2007, I think, so about 12 years ago, and and my keynote speaker that I I had was John Gray, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I I remember him talking about that, the different, um, that's why we brought him in, um, was for the whole concept of of teaching the women at, at the event that, you know, we communicate differently than men do. And um, um it yeah, and it was so interesting um the things that he shared with everybody. But it was really useful to me too because um a quick story. My my husband traveled every single week for for wow. work for years. And so I would wow. drop him off at the airport and pick him up at the airport. Well after being gone for a few days i would pick him up and i would be like want, i would want to talk you know i would want i would want him to share with me everything you know, every every like hour, uh, everything he ate, everything he did, every, every person he talk to. You know, I wanted to just I wanted to hear it all cuz I was interested, you know? I just wanted to Oh, wait. I wanted so and cute. Then I wanted right, right? I wanted him to ask me like, "Well, what's been going on with you?" and ask me kind of all the yeah. same things, right? And so inevitably, I would pick him up and I would be all excited and he would get in the car and then he would like be silent. <laughs> And I'd like, I'd ask a question and it'd be like, you know, not rude or anything, but just like one or two answers, not very much. And I'd be, and I'd be like, well, what the hell? I mean, I was, I'd be so deflated, you know what I mean? Right. But then I learned, um, from, you know, other readings and from, from John and and stuff like that, that, um, that, okay, it's not that he doesn't want to talk to me. It's just that he doesn't want to talk right now. (laughs) <laughs> it's just... Mm-hmm. So it was a timing issue. And then I, you know, so I started to pay attention to that, manage my expectations so that I no longer had those expectations. That way I wouldn't be disappointed when I picked him up. I would just be like, the poor guy is spent. He has nothing left to give. So how about I just chill, you know, think my own awesome thoughts. And then when he's ready, we'll we'll chat, which was usually, you know, several hours later over a glass of wine or something. Then he had time, you know, to to compose himself and, and get his thoughts together and, and, you know, rest his weary brain. And then we can talk. So so it is, it's a very real thing that the communication. Yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. And then another thing that, um, using the, I don't know if you're familiar, but using the psychometric of the Myers-Briggs, there is, um, they basically work on a spectrum, uh, 100% introversion versus extroversion and um, 100% uh, intuition. And then it goes the other end of the spectrum would be sensing and then feeling versus thinking and then judging versus perceiving. And then you get your own percentage within those um, spectrums. And I can kind of go, okay, and oftentimes, but not always, men are thinkers. Um, and women are feelers. I think we all know that, but and that's not always. I do have I do have men that are feelers, which is um, and I ha- and I think I've had a total maybe two women better thinkers. But but the way they process information is to come to a solution, and women are just trying to process the emotion. How often do I hear in the office between couples? I'm just trying to vent from the woman, <laughs> the man goes, I'm confused, I thought you came with a problem, and I'm trying to fix it, yes. and it's like, oh, you're so emotionally daft, why don't you understand that I just want to, I want to get this out of me, yeah. so I kind of try to teach, and that doesn't necessarily, it's not specific to sex per se, but I try to kind of teach, okay, well, this person is let's say 75% thinking they are going to want their, their natural go-to is going to be to solve the problem. So I teach that person how to pause, just take a big pause (laughs) and, and listen, be a better practice listening. Whereas like say for an extroverted feeler, somebody who is, who is, wants to, create a resolve and wants to talk out the feelings and needs that feeling to be satiated. And there needs to be a resolve. Like, okay, you also take a pause Mm -hmm. and figure out, take your accountability. What's your accountability here? Are you asking for help? Or are you venting? Are you prefacing that? Are you starting out? I'm just venting. Are you saying I need help with the solution? I think that is that, that communication component, like you just said with your husband, like you can create some level of compassion. It's not even about you. It's right. about the fact that he spent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think that when we reframe those things, but you use it with these psychometrics, it creates that That I'm all about creating objectivity. Subjectivity puts us in a space where we're, we're defensive and we're in our emotion and we can't see the forest for the trees. So if I go, hey, your spouse is an E and FJ. so they are an extroverted feeler extroverted intuition a feeler and a judger you can change some of these things but you can't that's like saying well i want your eyes to be brown instead of blue
1: mm-hmm.
0: well you can't do that <laughs> that's yeah. just not that's unreasonable so it kind of helps to the couples to understand oh okay well if my husband's an intj he's, he has an engineer brain all intjs are engineers I swear. <laughs> Find one that's not. And But they're, they're wonderful problem solvers, and actually they're really good when you give them the information in an Excel spreadsheet of how they need to treat their spouse. They input all those little components, and they go, okay, this is how I do this. <laughs> it, might not, yeah, it might not feel organic, <laughs> but at least they're trying, you know? So, so that's what the psychometrics are for, and also just because I'm a Virgo, and I like to geek out a little bit with the compatibility. Right.
1: That's, awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. But so really, I mean, these are just the most awesome tools to help people create an understanding of how the other person is thinking and processing and how they move through the world. and you know, how they are within the, within the relationship. if you, if you cannot Mm -hmm. get yourself to think beyond, um, you know, that everybody is automatically going to think and process and, and respond like you do, you're, you're going to be miserable. Very frustrated. Very frustrated. Yeah. You will always be disappointed because it's completely, you know, unrealistic and unattainable, um, for, Right. You know, for everyone else to be processing information and thinking and feeling exactly like you are. And so, yeah, I think especially between the the male brain and the female brain, it's really important. There's some fundamental differences. And man, once you understand it, it's like, oh, now I get you. I got it. Right. Right. Why? It's, it's so freeing, and you just, <laughs> right? It's, it's freeing, and then you can actually feel like, oh, I like you so much more now, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, I always loved you, but now I like you even more, because I get and you. Yeah
0: yes yeah absolutely i have um quite a few uh long-standing so there's from a scientific standpoint there's a lot there's a few places within the timeline of a marriage that you have pressure points like so like if you have when you have kids it would be a pressure point when the kids leave the house so on and so forth so a lot of my couples are empty nesters recent empty nesters because that's just the, the demographic up here in Cape Creek, that's just where it's at. Not right. that I, not to say that I don't do the pre um, marriage and all that stuff, but, but the vast majority. And you know what i find finally, is they're like, you know what, that exact, exactly what you said. I do not even, I have not even known my partner mm-hmm. and who they truly are, mm-hmm. like as an individual, this entire time, I've been with this person for two, over two decades. And I didn't even know who they were as a person. I like this person, like, a lot. Now that I know that I've been sitting there trying to go, you know, getting get I, one of the things I always say is try not, don't try to get blood from a stone. It's a stone. <laughs> like, it's a waste of your time, you know. Instead, go, okay, um, you're a stone, and what do I need to do in order to love you and your individuality? And so with those psychometrics, they kind of have the ability to go, Wow. Oh, okay, so that makes sense. So I provide them at the end of the couple's recovery, kind of a full-on, um, you know, certificate of completion, and what I would call like a book of, you know, your your how-to, like the book that you should have gotten in the beginning of like how we get through marriage, and with our own individual customized versions of ourselves and our unique relationship. So it's like here's where you vary, here's your strengths, here's your weaknesses, here's here's how to get back to that state of happiness that you were when you left. And they go through that process. And by the end of, of the um, intensive, they're laughing at each other's differences. You know, whereas before it was, you you know, first week it's I'm screaming at this person to be different or to act different or whatever it might be. So,
1: right, right. So yeah, it's a
0: really cool
1: yeah process. Yeah, it's like each wants the other to keep showing up different. and. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, how unfair, um, right? Number one, um, but you know, and I wonder, I uh, do you find that with, for example, your empty nesters, do you find that when they're saying, you know, I, I, like all of a sudden I don't even know this person, and then you know they work through things with you, and by the end of the session there, are the uh, the program, you know, things are things are great or much better, and they're laughing. Do you find that they have a realization that there are things that that were there in the beginning that they just like lost sight of and forgot about and then they just couldn't find their way back or is it stuff they just never even knew from the get-go
0: i would say both lori okay. Okay. absolutely both yeah i think it's a combination mm-hmm. um i think that uh yes maybe we naively go into things um and kind of see things under the rug and those things can become irritants. What's that saying? They say something along the lines of the, the things that you love about that person in the first year, the things that you end up in contempt and hate them for for the rest of the relationship. Right. <laughs> or something along those lines. Yeah. Like, oh, you're so weird and unique. And then it's like, oh, my God, you're so weird and unique. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you're, you know? Can you stop and just be a normal human? like? So, but I, I don't, I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination. I also think, and I heard um, just recently from one of my clients, I learned so much from my clients. I'm so grateful for them. Um, a gentleman said something along the lines of, uh, he had read in one of the books that he was reading about marriage, was said something along the lines of, my wife has changed in every stage of our life. And I've just ch- chosen to love the new woman that she becomes each time, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wow, that's wisdom, right?" Yeah. I mean, if, if we could look at it that way—that we're always changing, we're always progressing, we're always growing—I know for sure I'm not the same person that I was ten years ago, even five years ago. I'm sure yep. you could say the same thing for yourself, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. And, and I, I hope, hope it's not com- to be
1: right. Right? are we right. We're right. not the same it that is
0: we yeah, but that's probably, you know, us as um, self, self-growth self junkies, right. so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I see it as a combination of both, for sure. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, okay, how do you
0: think, Haley,
1: um, social media affects relationships? Does it? In, in-
0: oh, that? You know what? i tell you what, I am going to be a very, very well-known woman if I can figure out how to fix this problem. I think technology gets ahead of us, and we don't really, it's so fast-moving that we don't realize the ramifications that it's going to have societally. And I think social media, because of the fact that we are, we have access, so back in the day, you would hear things like, um, you know, uh, Mid-century times, it would be an affair with the secretary or an affair with the milkman. You know, right? Because of proximity, you didn't have the ability to have contact with someone across the world. You would get on Facebook or Instagram right now, and I could talk to somebody in China, right? It it in many ways, I believe, social media devalues the level of intimacy. Everything's out there that you can create within what what was only kept for an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. In fact, you do see people on social media that you go, oh, God, oh, no, mm-hmm. something's not good. Right. <laughs> <And> you <laughs> can just see it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, no. You, like, you want to private message them and go like, okay, okay, I get it, but find somebody to talk to because like, it's starting to look bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that social media is, it can be very damaging. Um, again, bringing it back to customizing something that works for each couple individually it's it's a unique some people care about likes on a picture some people could care less about social media some right. people have social media some I see some people together that one of them doesn't even have that has a flip phone still you know what I mean like yeah. is not is not interested in it at all it doesn't have that dynamic. I think that it can have a, like for you and I, when we, I mean, social media in many ways is free marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So for for us, it's, it's necessary. I think it's important to ensure that your significant other feels safe with what you're doing on social media while still acting as an independent party and showing up in your own shine, you know? Yeah. Um, we have to take a, a quick look at whether or not it's for, cause you can see when it's, you can tell when it's for attention. You can tell when somebody's single, like energetically we can tell that or newly single, I guess I would say um, we can tell all of that. So I think again, it's a conversation to determine what works um, for your partner while still staying out of the area of codependency and enabling. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have your individuality as well. So again, communication. I think yes. it could be I think it can be used for a positive thing, and I think it can be used I think it can be a negative thing as well. Sure. But I do think that if I can figure out a way to just like I did with the couples recovery, how to just break it down in a very <laughs> systematic way, it'll be a good thing.
1: Okay. I like it. It's and that's true. It really again, you the bottom line is it it always boils down to communication what, and, and what, you know, what are your rules around this? What are you both comfortable with? What do you, what do you agree that's okay? And that's over the line? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. What, um, what do most people uh, do? Do a lot of couples come in trying to, uh, avoid something? What are they, you know, they're, they you, I'm sure you talk a lot about boundaries, um, which you know, we just talked a little bit about that with regards to social media. what What else uh, do you think it's important to mention when it comes to boundaries, accountability, you know, what people need to, um, you know, what measures do they need to put in place so that everybody feels safe and protected? I, I was talking a couple weeks ago about um, literally looking at your relationship like it's a cocoon. So it's it's very protected. it's in, it's in its own special, you know veil. And um, there's just certain um, things and people that never get to pierce that veil, you know, that protective cocoon, and and that should be, um, you know, like a Fabergé egg. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So, yeah, so um, what are your thoughts about that? And and just um, you know, what things do they need to be sure to avoid? Just uh,
0: yeah. Well, I I um. The healthy boundaries and accountability, I believe, work in, in within the relationship and then what we decide, like you said, outside of the relationship. Mm-hmm. I often use the analogy that um, you don't often go looking for food or go to the grocery store if your pantry full, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's. And the pantry being obviously an analogous to the relationship. If you, if, if the um, emotional needs are met, the, the physical needs are met, the financial is, is um, communicated between the kids and parenting. That's that's a clear um, agreement. Whether or not their kids or their pets or plants, like it doesn't matter. Like there's a there's a there's a unity. Uh, we can become very protective, uh, over that. It's when we put other things, uh, and prioritize other things above that, uh, or we get a little bit too in our own space. Like I had mentioned in my own personal experience, yeah. acting very independently and not seeking, I always say, you know what, if you spend time and really look at that individual as, as this prize and, Seeking to know what they need, and they do the same thing and lean into you. If you're making sure that their needs are being met, and they're making sure that your needs are being met, nobody's nobody's left empty-handed. Right. Yes. So I think that I think that that um, I think that leans into just a natural byproduct would be healthy boundaries. You know, people don't generally think about this. Okay. So if you think about a work environment, and there are happily married people that are there um, without their spouses working, and then there's unhappily married people. Those unhappy, happily married people, those people that have, you know, their pantries empty or it's half full, they will mm-hmm. seek to have a conversation and commiserate about their their relationship which then creates an emotional bond between the two of them, which in my opinion would be emotional infidelity because you are not, like you said, it's a cocoon. Those -hmm. conversations are, are not for another person who is unhappy in their relationship. So emotional and that conversation, that emotional infidelity will then kind of move into a physical and so on and so forth. It's, it's kind of the gateway into the rest of it. So, I think that if we think about it that way, rather than somebody impeding our independence, then we have the we can actually make the choice to be covetous of the relationship. There is a grand um, safety and sanctity within your relationship that isn't there in 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 single life. So, um, I think that that from the outside, we just make sure that the pantry is always. Full. (laughs) Ultimately, it's like let's always go through the grocery list. Let's continue to go. Okay, are your needs met? Are are my needs met? Let's. I mean, just over communicate almost.
1: Right. Yeah, it's true because it's easy to lose sight of that. And I think I love that analogy of the pantry. I think that's um, that's brilliant. And you're right because we all have the same basic needs, but we all need to understand how our partner wants their needs fulfilled too so that right. you know because they're not the same way we don't use the same vehicles to fulfill our exactly. needs exactly
0: yeah. yes Lori. yeah yeah so that's, an, that's another reason i do the love languages yeah because we we speak div- yes we speak different languages you know yes. your partner could be sitting there Lori. your husband could be like buying you all these gifts and sending you notes and sending you flowers and you're like All this stuff is going in the trash. (laughs) I don't know why, you you know, and he's trying to say, you know, and they have couples come in and they're like, I buy her everything she could ever desire. She has everything materially that she she could ever want. And it's like, is that how she communicates or how she receives love? Yeah. Because otherwise you're you're speaking Mandarin to her. It it doesn't matter. She's not going to understand.
1: Yeah, this poor mm-hmm. one's probably going, you know what? I don't I don't need flowers and chocolate and diamonds and you know, how. Right. I but I would love it if you'd pick up the fucking vacuum and clean
0: and clean the carpet. <laughs> that, that would make usually, <laughs> Right, could you take out the freaking trash? <laughs> right,
1: yeah, but without me even having to ask. Right, like acts of right. service that's like my big thing, if yeah. You, if you
0: couldn't, is it, that, right?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: is it? okay? Service
1: is my number one. It, when you very stuff, interesting, yeah, when you do stuff like that, um, acts of service. Uh, is, um, to me that says you're paying attention to the things that are important to me and, you know, mm-hmm. and how I operate and how I thrive in my environment. And when you do those things, I am like, oh my God, that meant so much to me. So acts of service. Okay. And then, and then kind of as a sister to that is don't make more work for me. <laughs> don't make right. more work for me. Cause it's kind of the, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Um, but uh yeah so that's funny you the learning the love languages is fascinating and it is life changing i think for couples
0: right so so with, with the myers briggs i agree with you 100% with the myers briggs it kind of just shows okay this is who i am as a person it can be adjusted to some degree but this is who i am as a person with the love languages it helps us to i feel like it's almost like a kindling on a fire you know it'll get you on the other side of um conflict in a constructive way that's another focus that we always um focus on in the uh, couples recovery is 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 it solution oriented is it constructive conflict resolve? and if it isn't table it table it table it table it pause but um with the love languages it's a very it can be a very uh, a quick i love you because think about how that makes you feel the minute that your husband you know picks something up or he takes the trash out or whatever it is you're like He's not that bad. <laughs> a few minutes ago, you're going, "Oh my God! I swear to God, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? What was I even thinking? How many years have I invested?" You know, you're just going straight down a spiral. And then they they speak in your language, and you're like, "Oh, no mind, yeah. I love yeah. them." You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I yeah. teach the the couples their love languages, which ones they have that are are common, um, and so to use that. But if they want to go above and beyond, and want to really speak and really fill that pantry, you you use your yours being access service. My number one is physical touch. So it's like if somebody gives me a hug, I immediately melt. I'm like, okay, <laughs> never mind. Um, I'm not mad anymore.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, so physical touch for you.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's it's fun. It's a it's a brilliant um, process. It really is. Um, so, okay, Haley, what would you say um, for those who just haven't done anything yet and they're finding themselves in troubled water? What would you, what tips would you give them? Like some first steps.
0: First steps for couples, Lori. Um, my website is (laughs) (laughs) hayleyhoward.com and that too my phone number (laughs) yes Uh, honestly first step you need help you need help the patterns don't change I mean unless you're really evolved the patterns usually don't change it's kind of like the way that I see subconscious um, reprogramming Right. Yeah. you already have a negative pattern the negative pattern and the bruises are there and so you either have to be two very evolved individuals and be able to get above your biology get above that amygdala hijacking and all of the bruises that have happened in that process or you need somebody to create some level of objectivity I know getting help sucks I was on an island for a long time and have been doing this you know doing counseling and stuff like that for a really long time. and this self-help and coaching and stuff like that for a really long time. but i I, I was a hypocrite, <laughs> and I was on an island for a long time. Um, I at this point will never go without some level of coaching, therapist, um, help on some level. So number one, first step, you need help. You need to talk to somebody. Even if it doesn't seem that severe, and in fact, for the professional side of things, please come before it feels that severe. It yeah. makes our jobs easier.
1: Yeah, yeah. Don't wait until the house is on fire. You know, if you smell smoke, exactly. You know, yeah.
0: Do something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> Fine. It'll go away. <laughs> it's just a garage. We'll get a new one. <laughs>
1: Totally.
0: Oh my God. It won't reach me over here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm over here in the bedroom. It's probably fine. Yeah. No, first step is always get help. And, and, and another thing that I say is, is please don't try to get that help from family. Family and friends have a bias, whether or not they want to admit it or not, they have a bias towards you or to your spouse. And when you discuss those kinds of things, about your significant other with family and friends what ultimately ends up happening is there's a little bit of a breach in um, confidentiality yep. within the couple I always say don't throw your 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 spouse or partner under the bus um, because you'll forgive them mm-hmm. uh, and your family your family and friends won't yeah
1: they,
0: they're 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 watching and they're they want to protect you and they want you to have the best in the world, and and best love, and it's good intentions, but it's just not for that dynamic. You have to talk to somebody who has nothing but your best interest, both people's best and the marriage's best interest, um, or relationship's best interest at at heart.
1: Yeah, someone that can be totally objective. I mean, you're right, the the well-intentioned family and friends um, can really be destructive and disruptive and it's not fair mm-hmm. because they're only hearing your side and that there's always two sides you know so exactly yeah, yeah I agree. for
0: sure that's
1: good advice so get help number one number two don't get it from friends and
0: family <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes yeah that's it <laughs> good that's advice. it
1: Okay, and then uh, at the top of that list of Get Help is, let's take a minute now for you to tell everyone where they actually
0: uh, can find you. What are the best places? Yeah, actually I do the vast majority of my, um, my uh, advertisement through Psychology Today. So if you look up Psychology Today, Preferred Therapist, Cave Creek or Haley Halleck, it will pull up my profile. You can read more about who I am, what I'm about. It'll link you to my website, which is haleyhalleck.com. And that will go through and speak to information concerning the couple's recovery, a bunch of other intensives that I have available, um, trauma-intensive, kids-intensive, and then just individual sessions using whatever... It is that that the client needs, whether it be psych-K, hypnotherapy, coaching, whatever it is. So those are the two best places.
1: Perfect, perfect. Okay, my final question for you, Haley, is what would you like to share with our listeners about the value of really shifting and going rogue?
0: I think that, like I said in the beginning, that that's kind of like the that my my that that is what I embody. I think that shift and change is absolutely 100% necessary. What I would say is don't wait until it's so bad (laughs) that you (laughs) take a nose dive. (laughs) The value is to, I would say the value in shifting is that it's always happening. It's always necessary. Do it sooner than later um, is probably my advice about going wrong for sure. Continue to, but do it soon. Use wisdom. Beautiful.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally Thank got to have Martin. a conversation.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to get together and have a wine eventually.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, as soon as I get myself on back down there to Cave Creek, Arizona, I will absolutely yes. be knocking on your door and we'll do it. I would awesome, love
0: awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It seriously is a pleasure and an honor.
1: Thank you so much. Great stuff. Really valuable stuff. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Haley. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Okay, my friends. Well, that was a ton of really good stuff. I know that you're going to get a lot out of it. Haley is amazing, and she has got some fantastic methodologies. I am definitely going to be having her back on. Um, There's a ton more that we can share. But I really hope that you loved what you heard today. Uh, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already, and uh, a rating would be great too. Your comments are also very welcome. I love reading them. If you're trying to make some shift happen in your life and you would like to find out what private coaching with me is all about, you can learn more on lauriebischoff.com or we're talking shift.com. And of course, you can connect with me on any of the social media platforms. Thank you for listening, everybody. I love you guys. And until we talk again next week, stay feisty, my friends. And go make some shift happen. That goes for you too, Gary V. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com.